Well, good morning. It's good to see you. I was asked uh, to prepare a uh, kind of a Thanksgiving message this morning. Um, Pastor Kevin is suffering in Florida. Actually, his, uh, his sister's husband passed away. She passed away a, a while back, and then he's passed away, and Kevin uh, is, uh, is the executor of their estate. So he needed to go over and help uh, his other surviving sisters get things in order, so he will be back with us next Sunday. Anyway, um, four days to Thanksgiving, right? Four days of Thanksgiving, that means it's only 31 days to Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. But I say, hold on, wait a minute, let's not forget about Thanksgiving, right? I mean, does it seem like Thanksgiving is uh, kind of losing its focus and momentum out there? Uh, they just want to just kind of cruise right by Thanksgiving, but we won't do that, right? Thanksgiving is meaningful to us. I mean, I love Thanksgiving. Do you love Thanksgiving? What, 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 do, you, what do I love about Thanksgiving? I'm glad you asked. <clears throat> There's a parade in the morning, right, going on. I'm, I can tune in. Wonderful food all day long. Maybe some leftover turkey. Endless football games, right, ladies? Endless football games. <clears throat> and God has provided me some wonderful friends to make up for my relatives. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <clears throat> I have some wonderful relatives. But... I love Thanksgiving. There's no pressure to, you know, to buy any gifts for anybody. You know, my, my Dutch side loves that part, okay? No money involved. It's just getting together with family and friends. Great opportunity to focus on giving thanks, counting our blessings, amen? So that's what we, I want to talk about this morning is saying thank you, giving thanks. <clears throat> I wonder where you are on the spectrum I'm talking about the attitude of gratitude spectrum, okay? I think we're all on there somewhere. You got people on the far side who are the grumblers, the complainers. You know, don't say thank you hardly ever. And that's none of us, I know, I know. But on the other side of the spectrum, I think are those who have learned to give thanks no matter what their circumstances. Like it says in 1 Thessalonians 5:18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So how important is it to say thank you? Did you know the words thank you are on the list of the most important words one person can say to another? Right behind I love you and I was wrong. I'm sorry and will you forgive me? Thank you is high on the list. Expressing gratitude is essential for maintaining close relationships. Those in, those in the South, I mean, they have it down. They say thank you twice in one sentence. You know, people from Alabama say stuff like, bless your heart, thank you, thank you so much. It's, hot. it's just Southern. I love it. We could learn something. But would you turn to Psalm 92? Psalm 92 <clears throat> tells us, that it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. It's a good thing to do. Psalm 92, just the first couple verses. It says, it is, a good, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Amen? Would you pray with me before we continue? Father, thank you for your word. We're so encouraged 
especially in the Psalms, as we read of the praise and thanksgiving and worship. What a wonderful example <clears throat> of just personally entering in. Uh, but teach us, Lord, how that can be possible in every circumstance, every situation, to rejoice in the Lord and to give thanks no matter what. Uh, Remind us and encourage us today in your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so again, the psalmist tells us that it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. It's a good thing to do, and it's good for you, and it's good for me. When we give thanks, it causes there to be an imparting of peace and contentment, of joy and of health. Medical science has confirm these things uh, study after study. <clears throat> it shows that people who are grateful and thankful are healthier emotionally, relationally, psychologically, and physically. You want to guess what's unhealthy? Grumbling, complaining, an attitude of ingratitude, and unthankfulness. They all lead to declining health, less joy, less peace. So again, God's word is true. It's right. God's word works. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. And for many, Thanksgiving is their favorite time of year. They are sincerely thankful for many things. I mean, some are thankful for our great country. Some are thankful for our founding fathers. They're thankful for the freedoms that we still have. Some are thankful for the economy for example, I would say they have what I call an attitude of gratitude. But gratitude, listen, gratitude is more than a platitude. Gratitude is not just an emotion we feel or an attitude that we may have. Gratitude is an action. Gratitude is something you do. It's not just something you feel. For believers, gratitude is an action. It's something that we do. We give thanks to the Lord. That's why we call it thanksgiving. We give thanks. The, the Bible does say in a few places to be thankful, but mostly over and over and over, the Bible says, give thanks. And we hear people all the time talk about being thankful or being grateful, and they'll list off a thing, uh, things that they're thankful for, but to whom are they thankful? To whom are they giving thanks? Many out there, will choose to give thanks to anything or anyone but God. We hear people that give thanks to the universe. They give thanks to Mother Nature. Some give thanks to the cosmos. Others to their lucky stars. Many people are good at thanking each other. Some are even good at thanking themselves for reaching their greater potential or their higher achievements. But listen, the Bible supports none of this misdirected thanksgiving. For the good, misdirected thanksgiving for the good things in our lives. <clears throat> over and over it says, give thanks to the Lord. Because the Lord gets all the credit. He gets all the glory. He gets all the applause. He gets all the approval. But what is our tendency? Our tendency is to give ourselves the credit. Because we have a tendency to think that we are self-made self-sufficient, that we are self-sustaining and self-achieving. 
And we can give our, ourselves, we can thank ourselves more readily sometimes than we give thanks to the Lord. But when we're saying, look what I've accomplished and look what I've attained and look what I've achieved, the truth will answer back. The truth will ask, who gave you that ability to achieve those things? Who gave you that talent? Who gave you that job opportunity? Who gives you the strength to get out of bed? Amen? It is God who holds your very breath in his hands. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of heaven of, of lights, with whom there's no shadow of turning. So if our gratitude becomes misdirected, hopefully we come to our senses and we realize once again that we are not self-made, we are not self-sufficient or self-sustaining or self-achieving. As Psalm 103 says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, not we ourselves. But here's a question. Is it really a big deal to give God thanks? Is God rightfully expecting our expressions of gratitude? I think that he is. And what does God think about ingratitude? Is it a serious matter to be ungrateful? What do we find in the scriptures? Well, one thing we find is a story in the Gospels of a small group of people who came to Jesus and were all healed at the same time. They were, they were all outcasts because they all had leprosy. You might remember the story. At that time, leprosy was an incurable disease. If you had leprosy, it was a death sentence. You were going to die. And in the meantime, you were ostracized from the community. And you were expected to yell out if someone came near, unclean, unclean, so no one would come near. And no one wanted to. So a group of 10 lepers, seeing Jesus at a distance, it says in Luke 17, they saw Jesus from a distance walking by and they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he did. He did a group healing. And then he told them, go show, show yourselves to the priest, which all who were healed in that day were instructed to do. Go show yourself to the priest. Then it says afterwards, one returned. He returned, and with a loud voice, he gave thanks to the Lord. He thanked Jesus for his healing, for what God had done for him. Then Jesus said, do you remember? We're not ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Where are they? For whatever reason, they made no effort to give thanks to the Lord. No record of it. They just went on with their lives. And you see, we can be quick to receive God's blessings, but how are we at giving him thanks? Expressing gratitude is essential for maintaining close relationships. What about our most important relationship? What about our relationship with the Lord? Do you like to hang out with ungrateful people? Grumblers and complainers? Those who hardly ever say thank you? Ingratitude can speak loudly. Ingratitude says, you know, well, that thing you did for me, I, I was pretty much entitled to that anyway. I think I deserved it, so I took it for granted. It's ingratitude. It's an attitude of ingratitude. I deserve it, so keep it coming. What else can you do for me? 
But I think when we don't give, give thanks to the Lord, or when we say, yes, thank you, Lord, but we include something else, and we don't rightfully give God thanks and give him the glory, I think we could be in, in some danger. I, could, I think we could be on thin ice. Danger of losing what we take for granted sometimes. In danger of allowing what God has provided to be consumed. When we fail to give God thanks. Here's an example. <clears throat> Most of us remember Jonah and the whale because it's quite a tale. Jonah and the whale. Are you with me? Jonah, the disobedient, unwilling prophet of God. Unwilling to go to his enemies, as, as God commanded, to warn the city of Nineveh so that they could repent of their wickedness and receive mercy from the Lord. Not Jonah. After he received his orders, he hopped the first boat to Tarshish, the, one of the farthest places you could sail, sail away in those days. But you know the rest of the story. God caused, caused a storm, and Jonah ends up overboard, and God used a whale, a big fish, to swallow Jonah and vomit him up. Where? The closest beach to Nineveh, with a better attitude, I might say, a more willing attitude. So Jonah did it. Jonah did his, his thing. Jonah, we remember Jonah and the whale. But do you remember Jonah and the worm? Jonah and the worm. Here's what happened. After Jonah delivered God's warning to the Ninevites uh, to repent or face judgment, it says in Jonah 4, Jonah decided to set up camp on the hillside. Remember that? And it was hot. It was Death Valley hot. Triple digit hot. So God provided a large leaf plant to grow very quickly, what some would call a gourd, large leaf plant, to, pro to provide some much shaded, naded, I can't say it, much needed shade for Jonah. Okay? And um, it says that Jonah was thankful for the plant. Thankful for the plant. He had an attitude of gratitude. But that's all it says. Jonah was thankful for the gourd, but he didn't thank the Lord. Easy to remember when it rhymes. Okay? So God prepared a worm. God prepared a worm, and the next day, that, the whole thing just withered. And it says that Jonah cared more about the plant than he did about all the people who faced judgment and destruction. So Jonah got angry over losing the plant. But why did God send a consuming worm? I think one reason was ingratitude. Ingratitude. And when we do not rightly give God thanks and give him glory, I think we could be in danger of God allowing things to be consumed. Ingratitude could be that serious. But enough of that. Let's, let's move on and talk about what does the Bible exhort us to do in giving thanks to the Lord Again, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Would you like to know what the will of God is? Here we go. Give thanks in everything. That means no exceptions, no excuses. Nothing is outside of these parameters, except maybe the consequences of my own personal sin. In the Greek, the phrase means in connection with everything that occurs, give thanks. 
You might say, well, Paul, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm in a really stressful situation. You don't know my circumstances. There are things in my life that are anything but good. It's, it's hard to believe that God is good all the time. Or it seems like His goodness is limited in my case. Or that His goodness is enough. I struggle trusting in the goodness of God. I don't always feel like giving thanks. Well, I would say God is full of compassion. He cares deeply about what's going on in your life. But remember, we don't give thanks to the Lord because we feel good. We give thanks to the Lord because He is good. Amen? He is good. Here's a few things to keep in mind. I think we, sli we slide back and forth on that spectrum attitude of gratitude because we, we interpret God's goodness through the lens of our experiences, through the lens of our circumstances, instead of through the lens of God's Word, which is the only accurate lens to view life. We, we call it a biblical worldview. Even though we, there are difficult things, stressful things, hard things, things that are anything but good, Romans 8:28 still says, God works all things together for good. For those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Anyone have that one memorized? I think a lot of us do, don't even realize it. But I want to encourage you to include verse 29, because he tells us what God's purpose is. God's working all things in your life together for good, for what purpose? What is the good that God is accomplishing? What's the best thing that could ever happen to you and to me? Verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So there it is. God's great purpose in your life is transformation, that you and I would become like Christ that we would be transformed, growing into his godly character. And he's committed, committed to finish the work that he's began in us. Amen? Romans 5, 3 says, We glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character. Like Pastor Kevin often says, I wish it wasn't that way, but that's the way it works. Perseverance. James said, however, you can rejoice when you're suffering if you learn to value the purpose, God's purpose of transforming you. If we learn to value God's purpose, transforming us into his likeness, we can, still, we can rejoice in that. Because our faith must be tested. Our faith must be refined. Our growth and transformation is in process. Until we are complete lacking nothing. So if we use the truth of God's word as the lens to see the world, to see ourselves, to see our situation from God's perspective, we can accurately view God's goodness in spite of our problems and learn to value his purposes and our growth more than our comfort. Again, it's a, that's a hard one. I love comfort. <laughs> love to be comfortable. Love it too much. But there can be an attitude of gratitude because of what God is accomplishing in us that moves us on the spectrum in the right direction to being thankful in every situation, in all circumstances. 
I think some of the things that we call bad in this life are not as bad as we think they are. And all we need is a little bit of time to pass until we get uh, some 2020 hindsight and get the big picture. I think when we get to heaven and we look back on our lives, I think some of the things we thought were bad things will turn out to actually be good things. Because those so-called bad things produced what, produced what was necessary in us, in our hearts. And that was that which was lacking. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And I don't think we need to wait till we get to heaven to understand how God is working things together for good. James said we should ask God for wisdom when we're suffering or when we're facing hardships so we can get the right perspective and we can have the right attitude and we can understand God's purpose and how we can use it for his glory. So Joseph is a perfect example of all of this. I don't think Joseph thought it was a good thing when he was thrown into the pit by his brothers and sold into slavery and falsely accused of a crime he never committed and thrown into prison. But God was preparing him for something to come. In his case, to be in the second highest position in the whole land, right under Pharaoh. God was working the whole time, working things together for good. And in the end, what did Joseph say to his brothers? He said, you meant it for evil. Yours were evil intentions, but God meant it for good. To save many people. Great mission in his life. So here's a way this Thanksgiving that you can remember Romans 8, 28 and 29, especially if you are allowed in the kitchen and uh, to help prepare food. Um, we were with some of our grandkids not long ago, and I was eating a homemade granola bar. And the grandkids were watching me, and I said, do you want to know how I make these granola bars? And they, yeah, yeah, they want to know. So I, I, first I told them all the ingredients. I said, in a big bowl, I put two cups of oats, one whole cup of honey. Okay, you got to get the picture. Two cups of almond butter in the bowl, all together, okay? Some cinnamon, chopped almonds, some raisins. Anybody hungry? Okay. I, and the grandkids are watching, you know, and it's, I'm saying, all in a big bowl. <clears throat> and then I said, then I roll up my sleeves, and I put my hands in and mix it all together. And Parker, the three-year-old, goes, yuck! But, I just, you know, I'm just mixing it all together. But, you know, with, with all that honey and with all those, that almond butter, and all those oats, it is the absolute best way to mix that stuff really well until it just like falls off my fingers, you know? And it, it just, it's just perfect at that time, okay? But listen, listen. God takes the events of our lives, both good and bad. He mixes them together in expert hands. Then he places them in the oven of adversity, and when it's all done, we're going to say it is good. It is good. So remember Joseph. Also remember Job. In a relatively short period of time, Job lost everything that was precious to him. Remember? 
He lost his family. He lost his health. Lost his possessions. Then his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Job said, you didn't talk like that when you were driving the Mercedes. <laughs> no, Job didn't say that. But this, what did Job say? Job, even though Job lost it all, Job gave God thanks. Job 1.21, he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So again, you may be thinking, my heart's not, it. My heart's not in it. I would say it doesn't matter if your heart's not in it. This is because God is good, right? Because he's in control. Because he's in control of all the circumstances of your life. All the ingredients, good and bad, are in the master's hands. Don't let your emotions and how you feel drive your decision to give God thanks. To give thanks to the Lord. Just do it. Just do it. See how you feel afterwards. It can feel like a sacrifice, right? But guess what? That's how God sees it too. Hebrews 13, 15, Therefore, let, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Notice it says it's to be the fruit of our lips. That means we need to verbalize it. We need to offer a sacrifice of praise, which is pleasing to God. Again, Psalm 92 tells us it is good to give thanks to the Lord. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to do. It's good for you and for me. It's good for our health. It's good for our relationships. It's also good for our hearts and our minds. So here's four reasons why we should, be, we should give thanks to the Lord and why it's good for us. As soon as you offer a, a sacrifice of praise and give thanks to the Lord, you, instantly, you are instantly reminded of God's presence. You are instantly reminded that you are not alone. You're not alone in your circumstances. You're not alone in your situation. You're not isolated. Giving thanks and praising God will instantly help you overcome that feeling that you're in it by yourself or left to fight your own battles. Giving thanks to the Lord, it's the same as offering Him a sacrifice of praise and blessing His name. It's an act of worship. And when you begin to worship God, you remind yourself that you, you are in a living relationship with the living God. Hebrews 13.5 says, For God Himself has said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Worship, I think it revives our spirits. It wakes us up and it triggers what we've learned and what our heart believes, that God is listening. He's with us. He's involved. He cares. He knows all things. He knows you personally and intimately, and he's got his hands all over the circumstances of your life. And he wants us to trust in his goodness, that he is good all the time. Working things together for good. As soon as you decide to give thanks to the Lord, you are instantly reminded of his presence. Number two, as soon as you offer a sacrifice of praise and give thanks to the Lord, you instantly change your focus to an eternal focus. You begin to see life from God's perspective and through his eyes. By praising God and giving him thanks, you instantly go from problem focus to God focus. 
you're reminded of the big picture that we are, we are like strangers here in the, on the earth. We're, we're pilgrims passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven from where the Lord will return, from where the glorious new Jerusalem will descend, that glorious city. We have no lasting city here. We're looking for the city whose builder and maker is God. Amen. That's, our, that's our, our, the plate that he's preparing a place for us. Worship, praise, giving thanks, it instantly changes your focus. It also reminds you that you are not defined by your problems and your circumstances. They don't define you. Your experiences and your circumstances are part of your story. They're part of your journey. They don't define who you are. Our failures our sins, our weaknesses, our enemies, none of them will have the last word. What defines you is what God says about you. 1 John 3 says, you are a child of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we would be called children. And says that is what you are. Ephesians 1 says, you have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Here's a summary of the things it says just in Ephesians 1 about those who are saved, those who are in Christ. They're chosen, predestined, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, co-heirs with Christ, sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, all to the praise of his glory and his glorious grace. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans 8 says, if you are in Christ, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you have become more than a conqueror through him who loved you. And none of what you're experiencing ever separates you from the love of Christ. Again, giving thanks to the Lord can instantly set our mind, minds on things above and remind us of our spiritual blessings and, and change our focus to an eternal focus. Every day can be thanksgiving for us. Amen. Number three, as soon as you offer a sacrifice of praise and give thanks to the Lord, you will instantly defeat the devil and his attempts to get you to doubt God. Giving thanks breaks whatever negative mental or emotional cycle you may be on. So now here's a play on words. When we talk about a negative mental emotional cycle, that mental cycle can be like a tandem bicycle. It's got two seats. And if we decide to go on a downhill ride with, with those thoughts, guess who can jump on the back seat? Satan takes advantage by interjecting his lies, his deceit, trying to undermine our faith and magnify our fears. Here's another picture that helps us understand our, what, how our mental worlds can be. Does it ever seem like your fears are on speed dial? I had a phone like that once. <laughs> but you remember speed dial you could program the old phones just you know one button and it would call somebody but our worrisome thoughts fears and doubts they can be like that thoughts that have been rehearsed so many times it only takes the push of one emotional button it's like speed dialing fear or worry or doubt it can become our mental reality but worship and praise and giving thanks to the Lord. It's like hanging up. Hanging up by, you know, listening to yourself, really. 
and pressing a speed dial for, for God, right? Here's another image. I read this quote. <clears throat> Many people have a descending staircase of negativity that has operated in their heads for years. Once they have the first negative thought, they know exactly where they are going to end up all the way to the bottom. It's like taking the next descending step on a staircase. They know exactly what each and every thought's going to be. And because the thoughts are so familiar and so powerful, they seem irrefutable. And who can end up right behind you to push you down the stairs? Again, it be can become a spiritual battle. But giving thanks to the Lord, offering a sacrifice of praise, personal worship, can jettison you right back to the top and turn you around the other direction to another staircase that leads upward toward the Lord. As you're believing once again in his goodness and you're trusting once again in what he says about who you are and what he's, he's accomplishing in your life. By praise and worship and thanksgiving, you will step on what I'm calling a stairway to heaven. Have you got the other stairway on there? Now, I hesitated to call it that because that, that you know, reminds people my age, of a song that was on the radio, Stairway to Heaven. I looked it up. The lyrics are terrible. I don't recommend it. It's, it's, it's weird. It's weird. But it was very, very popular with the guitar players, that, that little rift and tune, Stairway to Heaven. So, but don't remember that song. Remember the image, okay? And, and, you know, which stairway do you want to be on? One that is descending down? One that, you know, invites spiritual battles? or one that is heading upwards because of praise, worship, and thanksgiving. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We're in the Word of God. We're in prayer. And we're in praise and worship. Number four, as soon as you offer a sacrifice of praise and give thanks to the Lord, you instantly see the goodness of God through the lens of his word. So I want to come back to this because here's the problem. Often we interpret God's goodness through the lens of our experiences. And when our experiences are not good, but difficult and stressful, our view of God's goodness can become diluted devalued and diminished. The wrong lens will lead to unthankfulness and ingratitude, doubt and unbelief. We often, we often lean on our own understanding to try and evaluate God's reason for what he's doing in our lives. Why, and why is he doing it and is this necessary? Have you ever looked through the wrong end of a telescope? <laughs> Instead of things becoming more clear, they become distant hard to see, blurred, looking through the wrong end, through the wrong lens. If you look at God through that lens, you'll see him as small and distant and impersonal. And that happens when we use the difficulties of our lives as a lens to view and evaluate God's character and God's nature. Interpreting God's goodness and faithfulness and character by what's going on in our lives and the difficulties that we face, again, it will lead to doubt and discouragement. It's just like the spies who Moses sent into the promised land. You remember that? Go spy out the land that God is giving us. 
Well, 10 of them, 10 of them decided to, they focused on the difficulties, the giants, the risks, the uncertainties. And they came back with their, their, their report and they, they turned the whole crowd. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? That means how long will they despise me and my goodness and my faithfulness and my promises and how, how easily they, can they forget that I just delivered them out of slavery and I've been providing for them. Their focus on the giants and the risks and the danger, it only resulted in doubt, discouragement, unbelief, and disobedience. But giving thanks to the Lord can instantly turn the telescope in the right direction. It turns everything around. Through praise and worship and thanksgiving, you'll have the right lens that helps you see reality and truth about God and about His goodness. He is now magnified, and we are encouraged. Psalm 92, 1 and 2, again, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. So we're going to remember the Lord at the communion table. So if the ushers can start getting that ready. It's a fitting place to give thanks to the Lord for all He's done for us. 1 Corinthians 11 Paul wrote, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 